Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, yo, this is Big Daddy Kane, and you're listening to another hot interview on The Live with Tim Pine. You know, Mike, you know what I'm saying? He could put punchlines in his rhyme, you know what I'm saying? And not just using a punchline just because it's a punchline, but that would, that would coincide with the whole verse, you know what I'm saying? He simply should be considered a hip-hop legend. Talk to fans and peers of this Queens, New York artist, and nothing but praise is bestowed upon him. He's Mikey D, who has recently dropped his latest album, Day of Destruction, and I want to welcome him to the library with Tim Ionicall on RapStation.com. Uh, Mikey D, welcome to the library. Thanks for joining us. Ah, thanks for having me here. It's an honor. I want to talk about the album a little later, but I, you know, kind of just want to get into little things. Uh, you know, rap music today is can it's and it always been it's always been considered uh, unfortunately a young man's game or a young person's game. Right. Uh, but there's artists right. like yourself, there's artists like Chuck D, Big Daddy Kane, Large Pro, you know, and many more that are just still doing it. Um, for you, you know, you know your your career spans over oh, nearly thirty years. When did you? as a young man and you were growing, when did you know that you couldn't continue rapping, quote unquote, as the young, in this young man's game and you had to kind of develop yourself as artist, content-wise, but flow-wise and all that stuff? Well, me, basically, I've always just 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 wrote what was on my mind. You know, it, it was a thing that was, that comes from the heart, not from the pocket. Right. So, like, anybody, anybody that knows me from, like, day one, when I first started writing rhymes, to right now, they will tell you that I haven't changed. Like, when I was coming up, there were a lot of rappers out there, but I was one of those guys that really didn't pay attention to what was going on around me as far as other rappers. So I developed my own style early. You know what I mean? Right. So it, it was you know, like, today you'll find a lot of rappers that just jump on the bandwagon of what is ever trending at the time. So you'll have a thousand rappers that sound exactly alike. It's like one ongoing record. Right. Whereas you, you, you have a handful of rappers that have their own unique style. You can identify them from the other thousand. You know what I mean? Right. And right. I happen to be one of, one of those guys. I developed the style early and I never changed you know, I never changed the style. I just stuck with it all these years. The only difference is it got more 
mature. The style was there. The only thing that changed was probably my voice got a little deeper. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So that's that's basically it. You know, there, there's there's obviously you hear you you hear you you know I mean you've listened to when you first started till now. There's obviously there's I, I guess this confidence, right? This confidence you 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 portray in your music. Um, right. Was that something you? I mean, was that something that just came with you from the get go, or did you? Yeah, you know, there's confidence, you know, away from the mic and confidence on the mic, right? Um, or did you just have right. that, like, right off the bat? Like, you picked up the mic or you were in the park and you started rhyming and, you know, people just, that was, like, one of the first things that people noticed about you? Or did you have to, like, build that and, you know, get that, you know, gain that trust or gain that self-esteem? When I was inspired to first pick up the pen and start writing, it was from Grandmaster Kaz and Kumo D. And, and both tapes that I listened to of these gentlemen were both competitive tapes. They were in battle mode. Like mm. it was uh, Kumo D battling Busy B. And then you had Grandmaster Kaz going in on a heckler at, at, at one of the shows. So that battle that was in them is what ignited it in me. Because at that time, you know, I was around a bunch of other guys that, you know, were rapping or just beginning to rap, this, that, and the other. So at the beginning, it was always competitive for us. It was about the battle, the mm. battle. It wasn't about writing songs. It wasn't about being pretty. It wasn't about what we wore. It was about my rhymes being better than yours. So when I when I um finally broke out of my shell of being in the basements or in Johnny Quest's sun porch, and I finally went to an outdoor event, which was in a park of 231 in Queens, and somebody that was already popular at the time called me out to battle. I battled this guy, and I, I, I caught like my first taste of what it was like to win a battle. So from that point on, that you know that cockiness and that arrogance and I'm that I'm better than you attitude was born right there, you know, because I've always been competitive when it came to, you know, my rhymes. I mean, speaking of, th- th- so, there, so, you know, while doing research to uh, interview you, uh, you know, I came across this video of you, um, you, you talk, telling a story about about the beatbox and how uh, Dougie Fresh and Biz Marquis were becoming popular in the 80s because of it. They do that, but they was taking a lot of my fame, you know, so I came up with a little something like this. Human beatboxers make me sick on stage because they be jumping up and down like they're into a rage. Playing stupid beats, each one of them dumb. Looking just like a seizure, like they swallowed their tongue. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and you talk about it at the time about how since you were a, you know, you, you're a battle rapper, you came up with this rhyme dissing the beatbox. Um, right. Uh, for you, how, if at all, has your opinion of the beatbox changed since, you've, since, since that moment and since you've grown as an artist and as a person? Well, the beatboxes have definitely, they're on a whole new level now. They, they, sound effects and everything. You know, right. one of my great friends is, is, is the godfather of noise, Rozelle, from The Roots. You know, yes. He came up from, from back then. You know, And the only reason I wrote that rhyme is because I felt that there was no competition lyrically. There weren't any more MCs for me to battle at the time, so I had to try to, something different. Mm. So I was like, hmm, the beatboxes are taking over. Let me step into their domain. Everybody <laughs> knew that I wasn't a beatbox. But for me to incorporate beatboxing into the rhyme, it caught them off guard. You know what I right. mean? So that's what that was all about, just being unique and, you know, 
stuff like that. But definitely beatboxing has gone to a whole new level now, man. And I respect all of those guys. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, in, in that same video, um, you know, you, you, you showcase the rhyme, but you also showcase that you actually know how to beatbox. Art of noise. Gremlin rock, but I don't want to beatbox. Something brand new that I want to unleash. Hey, yo. Is this... Okay, so this is from like... I can't beatbox for the life, you know, to save my life, right? Um, right. On on the level, so explain, like, on the level of beatboxers out there, where do you see yourself? And then also, is beatboxing just a natural something, something that came natural to you, or did you have to work that uh, to incorporate that into your rhyme? I mean, what I incorporated into the rhyme came natural, and beatboxing, you know, as far as those other guys and, and, and me putting myself in that category, I'm not a beatbox at all. So I'm at level one, you know, <laughs> because that's, that's, that, that's not what I do. But coming up, I was around great human beatboxers because Dougie Fresh was the man when I was coming up. Right. But I didn't know anyone outside of Dougie Fresh that was doing it until I met somebody from my neighborhood, somebody named Doobie D. You know, he was a great beatboxer. He made it seem simple. He used to show, try to show me how to do it. So I picked up from him. And then, like I said, the godfather of noise, Rozelle, when he started beatboxing, he took it to another level with the scratches and the right. bass lines and the beat all going at once. Now, remind you, Rozelle used to be a rapper first. He was down with a group called the Ever Loving Five. So I remember him when he used to rap. But then when he started beatboxing, it was just crazy. So I used to pick up little tricks from Doobie, from Rozell, and, you know, just I just incorporated it into that rhyme. And, and that was that. That was the only time you'll catch me beatboxing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came across audio of you, um, I think in the 80s again, but it was it's audio of, um, of you freestyling while uh, Biz Marquis beatboxes. Um, oh, yeah. How does, you know, how does... You've done, you know, you you know, you done, you've done acapella, you've done rhyming on instrumentals, and you've obviously done rhyming on beatboxing. How does the rhyming or freestyle differ for you when you're when you're spitting on somebody who is like, uh, like well, while Biz Marquis beatboxing versus if a DJ is, you know, cutting up an instrumental? There, there's really not too much of a difference between a great DJ and a great human beatbox. Like, Bismarcky, take him for instance, Bismarcky is not only a beatbox, he's a dope DJ. So, when you have, like, we, we both have a, a relationship as far as entertainment. So it's like, he knows my flow, and I know his flow. So it's easy for us to feed off of each other, opposed to, you rapping off of a DJ that's never heard of you before. You never heard of him before. Mm. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you know, hope this dude can stay on beat with you. And this guy, he's trying to figure you out. But like people like Biz and, you know, um, Rozell and like I said, Doobie, we know each other. So we know how to feed off of each other. Mm. And sometimes it just comes natural, you know, with, with, with the rap thing. You know, it's it's just a natural thing to me. Like some people learn how to do it, some people were born to do it. And I feel like I was one of those guys that was born to do it. Uh, do you have a other for you? Is are there likes and dislikes um, for you freestyling versus kind of the written rhyme? I mean, do you, do you have one that you like you enjoy doing the most? My preference is written. 
you know, I, I can freestyle, but it's not my preference. You know, when, when, when I was drinking, you know, back in the days when I was younger, when, you know, the, the, the teenage years, the 20s, I was drinking 40 ounces like everybody else. So, you know, for some people, the beer, the alcohol brings out, you know, the anger and, nice. and, and the beast. For me, it brought out rhymes, you know, and that's when I was my best at freestyling. But as far as written, I'm, I'm, I'm much better than I'm, I'm much better with my pen than I am off of the top of the head. Mm. So I definitely prefer written. We're speaking with Mikey D, uh, new album Day of, of Destruction. Uh, Mikey D, I want to—I actually want to turn to the new album, um, The Day of mm-hmm. Destruction. Uh, on the intro, it talks about how MCs used to be judged, and you mentioned—you kind of mentioned this a little earlier, but how MCs used to be judged on how complex their rhymes were, not based on how much money they have or how old they were. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, the intro talks about how kind of we're, we're missing that today in hip hop. It seems, you know, rap music as a genre is the most popular it's ever been and artists are making a good amount of money on it. Uh, but it also seems that from my perspective, it seems that artists have less, it seems like less creative control than you guys had in the eighties and early nineties. Uh, do you think that's the case? And then what do you think happened that people started being judged not on their complex rhymes, but on how much money they had or how, how old they were. Shout outs to Travis Jacobs, because that's, that's, that's who did the introduction of the album. He's the one that's talking. Actually, I think it's, it's, it's the opposite of what you just said. I oh. think back, back, back when we were coming up, I think we had less creative control. I think the labels had more say of what was going on with, with our music and you know what we put out and stuff like that, mm-hmm. opposed to today's music. Now, as you know, everything is technology now. Technology really took over. It's it's like the blessing and the curse at the same time. So a lot of these guys, you know, the younger generation, they really know how to work that social media outlet. Like when we were coming up, it was uh, like, what type of fan base does he have? They couldn't count how many likes or how many views we had on YouTube or stuff like that. Like these guys got it easy now. And these young guys really know how to work that social market, that social media market. And also the attention span is, is not, it's not as long as it used to be. Remember back in the days when, when records used to come out, the records used to be four and five minutes, six and seven minutes. Today you got three minute records. You got maybe one verse and one hook, a hot beat. The attention span is not there no more. Nobody's really saying anything now because it's all about the beat and the music and how it's making you feel. And if you notice, everybody is zoned out. They're in this zone. It's like hypnotized music. That's what I call it. And me as being an adult, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not taking anything away from the younger cats because this is what they do. I mean, even when we was coming up, our parents used to look at us funny like, that's not music. You feel <laughs> me? But me... You know, I'm I'm not taking anything away from my peers because that's what they that's that's what they do. But me as an adult and still love the art of the game, I would find myself looking silly trying to fit in with this new genre of music. You feel me? I can't be a 48 year old rapper talking about Panda, Lava Lava Miranda. You know, I can't, I can't <laughs> yeah. do it. It just doesn't feel right with me, and it would be phony. You know what I mean? Right. But much love to the new generation, but like I said, they have more freedom nowadays. You know, 
thanks to the internet technology, you know, because now guys don't have to spend their whole budget in the studio working on the album. They could do it from the likes of their home. They, you know what I mean? They yeah. can do it in their garage now and just shoot the vocals everywhere. You want a feature, you just email them. You know what I mean? Right. He doesn't have to come to the crib. He could just send you an email. There's my vocals loaded up in Pro Tools and you got a damn song with collabs on it, you know. So, it's a, yeah, it's definitely changed a lot, man. For the better and the worse. All of these cats that people like today, I ain't hating on them. Nobody hating on them. They doing anything. Proud of him, I'm happy for him, but lyric for lyric, not what he make, not the images and videos, not how young he is. Rhyme for rhyme. When you were judged on who wrote the most complex rhyme, like how did you say that? How did you come up with that shit? He's one of them motherfuckers that everything he say, I'd be like, oh shit. We missing that today in hip hop. Nobody really cares because it's all about money, but I still care. Still care. I mean, you, you just mentioned you talk about uh, how today. I mean, there is less. You know, there's a shorter, a shorter attention span, which is interesting because, I mean, your album, you know, Day of Destruction is is there's a lot of tracks on the album. Right. Was that something when putting it together? Did you? Is that something you considered in terms of the attention span of today's youth? And if you did, why did you? Why did you choose to do that many tracks on an album? Well, the, the the album that we did, I did this album straight from the heart. Like, I wasn't focused on sales. I wasn't focused on what was going on around me musically. I was focused on those people that have been asking for a hip-hop album. What happened to hip-hop? Hip-hop is dead. Why aren't you doing this? Why isn't they doing that? I wanted to answer all of those prayers. Now, as far as the amount of songs on it, it says 25, right? Right. We have actually 19 full songs, six skits. We have features on the album. Now, originally, Legalizing Myself was only going to do an EP. It was just going to be his beats, my rhymes. We was going to make it hip-hop. Six cuts and out. But in the process of making that EP, other people started sending me tracks. And, you know, I was letting Legalize hear the stuff, and he was open. So we was like, let's add it to the album. So the reason we really uh, allowed so many cuts on the album is because, one, we have a lot of features on the album. And I did not want people to think that this was a compilation album. I did not want people to think that I had to ride another rapper's coattail for fame or success or to make this project successful. So I have maybe six songs with features. Mm -hmm. The rest of the songs, if you notice, are me solo. I wanted people to understand that I'm still me. I could still stand on my own too. I don't have to have a feature to do an album. So it's almost like a two for one. You got a compilation in there and you have a solo project in there. And then you have some very powerful skits as well. <laughs> <laughs> You talk about the feature. I mean, features, you have Grandmaster Kaz, Cannabis, Chris Rivers, Ari the Rugged Man, Greg right. G, Don Street, right. Mellow Man, Ace, right. and, and so many more. Right. Um, and what, yeah, what, what, Legacy, Lotto, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have, and what, what kind of stood out for me was that this is a great mix of the different schools of hip-hop. Absolutely. Uh, did, was that a conscious decision, but also, like, why, why such diversity in terms of the amount of, like, you're going from... You know, seventies, eighties, nineties, today, right? I mean, you have Chris Rivers, big pun son, right? Uh, so, what, and what is your criteria for having artists on an album with you? 
felt that Grandmaster Kaz was a, a must. Grandmaster Kaz is the reason I'm even rapping today. He's one of the first artists that I heard that inspired me to pick up a pen. So for him to be on the album and introduce Day of Destruction the way that he did, for me, was an official hip-hop seal of approval. Because I have Grandmaster Kaz, which is also my inspiration. Mm. Now, some of the other artists, such as Cannabis and R.A. and Craig, you know, me and Craig is my peer. That we're from Queens. These are good, these guys are the guys that I ultimately respect. Their 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 craft, their, their, you know, their their lyrics. They are what hip hop is to me, and they feel the same way about it. Pun was one of my favorites. You know, he was just phenomenal, and and you know, I did want to, you know, I wanted somebody from the new school but i didn't want like a little wayne i didn't want that type of flow because right. that's not me you know what i mean i'm not saying it's not hip-hop it's not me you know what i mean and chris rivers thank god um already the rugged man introduced him to me man mm. when we met we clicked and for me to hear him it wasn't even that he sounded like his dad it was he was a young dude. He knew his history, and he was dope. That's why I wanted him on the album. Yeah, and he's what I represent, and he's from the new school, so I definitely wanted him. Mellow Man Ace, another one of my peers from the West Coast. Me and this dude is is real cool, and we go way back. So I needed that West Coast flavor on the album. Who better to get than Mellow Man Ace? You know, <laughs> when just when people forget, I like to bring them back to life. No, not saying that he was not relevant, but come on, Mellow Man Ace on a Mikey D album. Everybody thought L.A. Posse was from Los Angeles, you know, but it was yeah. me in Lawson. And then I also have um, MC Lotto, Lot Picasso. Lot Picasso, everybody knows he's been running with me since back in the late 80s, early 90s. And then I have a new artist um, who I'll be managing after this album, Legacy. You know, it's just, it's just the perfect combination of collabs, man. You know. I mean, one feature that stands out is, because uh, I'm a huge fan of him, uh, Cannabis. Um, oh, yeah. You have him on Back to Back, and you also have him, have him on the track, The Rhyme Heaters. Uh, yes, yes, yes. So I was curious, he, why, why Cannabis twice on the album? Um, can I, yeah, I mean, why, why, why Cannabis twice? Well, Back to Back was a record that was originally produced for Cannabis and myself for my album, for their destruction. Now, Cannabis just came out with an album maybe about a year and a half ago, two years, and we had devastating Tito from the Fearless Four on that same song, Back to Back. But it wasn't called Back to Back. It was called Devastating Tito, Mikey D., and DJ Slice, and it's on the Cannabis album. But we wanted to use the original back-to-back -back with just me and Cannabis. That's why we put it on our album as well. And then when we got the Rhyme Heaters track, and I, I let Cannabis hear um, what me and R.A. the Rugged Man was doing on it. Stop slang from Coke Rock. I love the bitch. I'm not common. I'm trade digging, record shopping, sample chopping. I flip anything from Big Beat Billy Squire to Janice Joplin. He fell in love with that track, and he was like, yo, I gotta be on that mic. 
You know, so I couldn't say no to cannabis. <laughs> I couldn't say no to him. That's my man, you know. So absolutely, he jumped on it. And also, you know, Craig G, he, he had a verse on there earlier, earlier. You know, so that's how that worked out. So if you notice, if you listen to the rhymes, Craig G mentions legalized, but he doesn't mention cannabis RA or RA. Right, you know, because right. he didn't know they were going to be on there. And if you listen to Cannabis' verse, Cannabis mentions me and R.A. because that's what he heard. And you, you wouldn't, I mean, it's one of those one of those tracks that you wouldn't know that they, I mean, the, the way that they just flow all together. So you wouldn't realize that they didn't know, some of them didn't know that each other were going to be on that track, the track. So it's exactly. kind of, it's dope to hear. We got, we got to thank DJ Slice. He's the one that mixed that and threw the cuts in there and mixed that song down and made it sound it's like it does. Slice is crazy, but yeah. So you have Large Pro Speaks, Chuck D Speaks, yeah. Grand, Granddaddy IU yeah. Speaks, and LL Cool J Speaks, so four tracks on your album. Um, for you, I mean, if you could just briefly mention how important have each of these artists been on your career as an artist, but also, you know, on you in your personal life? Chuck D has always been one of my favorites, you know, even before Public Enemy days. You know, I used to, I used to, run up to the radio station and check them out on 90.3 WBAU in Garden City. You know what I mean? So right. um, he's he's always been there and I was excited when his career took off as an artist, you know, public enemy. I was, I've always been a big fan of Chuck. Well, we go right into the Can You Hear Me Now Hip Hop Gods segment with Flatline at hiphopgods.com the hip hop super site in the network where classic rap goes on and on past the break of dawn. Matter of fact, this week the hip hop Gods segment Highlights a person who's the epitome of a hip hop guy. He is really doing some nonstop work. Granddaddy IU is my man. He's just my man, down to earth, street dude. You know, we drink plenty of beers together and we share the same views as far as this hip hop is concerned. You know, he's just a fantastic friend. Nigga Mike, you know what I'm saying? He can put punchlines in his rhyme, you know what I'm saying? And not just using a punch. That's like my, my little bro, man. We have so much in common. You know, uh, from Paul C to Main Source, you know, things like that. Everybody thought Large Pro and I had beef when I was the second artist, you know, the second front man for Main Source. They thought we had beef. There was never a beef with me and Large Pro. Like I said, it's like my little brother, man. I love him. Um, okay, so you left main source, and they go on and make and get with that other dude, Mikey D. Man, don't don't say that other dude, man. Mikey, Mikey D. D man. No, Mikey, I, Mikey D. Is a a Queens Park legend, man. Like that's my mentor, man. So, oh, really? Yeah, nah. They, so then, what was that like? Because I didn't know much about Mikey. Yeah, nah, nah. All Mikey I knew D. was I was like, "Where's Lark from?" Yeah, nah. Mikey D. Man, Mikey D. Is like you know that's the original. And dude you know, LL is like, just he's he's been an inspiration in my life and a good friend, you know, from day one. You know what I mean? I mean, things happen. Right. You know, a lot of people are pro probably familiar, you know, that we had our little rivalry going on in the 80s. But that's, that was just me being in a bitter place at the time, you know, barking up the wrong tree, letting negative people put batteries in my back. You know, it was just right. a learning experience. But at the end of the day, 
you know, he played a major key in my life and in my career and stuff like that. That's why I was honored to have him speak. I mean, Mike inspired me in a lot of ways. So I think he deserves for people to know that. I don't have no, there's no reason why I should hide that. So, you know, Mike definitely, you know, is, is my dog, you know, and I respect him and I, you know, want to see him do well and I want this pop off and I want people to respect that man and get a man the props that he deserves. That he deserves. I also have another brother on there that spoke. Uh, the outro is Eddie OJ, which is one of the biggest. He's one of the biggest influences in my in my whole life and my my um my career. You know, he's the the the, the capo of the clientele brothers, which was the group that out. You know, when I first started, you know, that was the group that everybody from Lawton wanted to get down with, and for him to give me that opportunity and be a big brother to me all these years, you know. It was an honor to have him as well. But still, Mike is still going to come back and blow it all up. He's still going to represent. Because I told him, man, as good as you are, I don't care what your age come in. Don't never quit. Shout out to everybody that, you know, showed love. I mean, speaking of LL Cool J, I mean, in, so in 2013, you dropped the track uh, Real Talk, um, which is kind of a record about the, the, the beef that you and LL had. And you used this track right. to kind of clear the air and let people know that pretty much it wasn't LL's fault right 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 and i'm not asking you to like rehash the gossip because i know you've you've probably talked about you know you and lo millions of times but what what kind of stood out to me was that on this track um and every time i listen to it like you realize you you're you're extremely open about your you know personally open on this track and i was curious were you ever worried when you wrote this track that I mean, you would be viewed as kind of "quote unquote" emotionally weak, you know. I mean, because in hip hop, right, it doesn't happen. But you were like, but you were just so open on this track, and I was curious: was there ever worry that people see you as vulnerable after this, or was it just too important for you to get this track out there and kind of clear the air? For me, it wasn't a business decision. It was more of a spiritual decision. It was, it was me being open. I was never worried about what anybody had to say you know what i mean because this 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 battle was between me and l i don't care what the outside world thought of me or what the case may be because everybody likes a good battle everybody's you know they, they, they're so into the negative sides of things but me and l as being grown men grown man knows when he's wrong feel me so it took me to take myself out of the situation, out of out of Queens, it, it took me to take myself from behind that bottle. It took me to clear my mind, clear my thoughts, and to let everything go and really look at the situation for what it really was. And I'm the type of person, the only way I know how to express myself and to express myself best is through my writing. Mm, yeah. So when when I got that track talk to me that track talked to me so my feelings about the situation between ll and myself started coming out on that track you know what i mean yeah. and it told the truth in one verse and it told exactly how i felt and exactly how it went down and before anybody heard that track the first person i sent it to was ll cool j oh wow he was the first person that heard that track because had me had he not approved what I was saying, I would have never released it. I felt out of respect 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That song to me was bigger than any apology because I am the rapper who I am that people know me for being. You know what I mean? And for me to show that side of me was a big move. And, and I just wanted to show people that it doesn't... These beefs don't always have to end in death right. or being enemies. These beefs could end in a positive note. And it took three decades for me to come to that decision. You feel me? Yeah. So that's what that song is all about. It was true. It was from the heart. Like I said, it wasn't a business decision. It was a spiritual decision. You're, I mean, you just talked about the kind of the 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 ther i mean therapy that that kind of comes with writing for you and um when you when you look at days of you know day of day of destruction and you go through kind of tracks that have you know have hooks to them or have some sort of scratching in between rhymes as maybe as the hook uh you kind of get those but then and then but then you have but you also have tracks on this album that you don't have a hook and it's mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. you like straight rhyming and mm-hmm. you know, you know, one that stands out is, and I, it, it's called without breaking it down. And mm-hmm. when that happens, when you have something like that, where you're just straight rhyming, there's no hook. Is this, I mean, again, is this, is this kind of a, I guess a kind of a, a therapeutic session for you? Or is this as an, as an artist, is this more of a kind of a, a lyrical writing exercise to kind of keep yourself, you know, you know, make 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 sure that people know that you're still on point of what you're doing. Well, with, with that particular song, it was the beat. The beat talked to me, and that's where it took me. It took me. It it, it just had me visualizing a day in the life of what really goes down, how we rock. You know what I mean? And I just wanted to make it as visual as possible. You know, so a lot of times the tracks talk to me. The tracks bring out my emotions and my feelings. Like, I could be feeling a certain way and I won't say anything about it, but then somebody could play me a certain track and the track could bring out what I was feeling through the pen. That That's basically how it works with me. And at the same time, I like to let people know I'm still on point with my pen game. <laughs> at the same time, so it's therapeutic and still a little competitive with me. Bum outside, hit me for a dollar. Shorty Yo, on the side, baby. try to get What's me to holler. She from the hood and won't leave me alone. I'm like, look, ma, I'm good and got a woman at home. Relax, oh, don't oh. even ask. I'm just making my round. And the last thing on my mind is taking it down. Slid off without making a sound. And I freaked this whole song without breaking it down. Um, I think, so doing, kind of working with, myself working with Chuck and working on these interviews and working on Rap Station, I've uh, slowly, you know, I'm not slowly, but I've become more appreciative, you know, not of not just of the artist, but also of the DJ and the yeah. art, the art behind the DJ. And I think another one thing that really another thing that really stands out to me of Day of Destruction is that it's not afraid of the art of the scratch. Like there's a lot of scratching and cutting up on this album. Um, yeah. For you, what as as an MC, kind of what what draws you to the scratch, and do you think that is missing? today in a lot of production in hip hop I believe it's I believe it's totally missing I believe the DJ has been X'd out for some reason but but the DJ if it wasn't for the DJ there would be no rappers 
Right. That's how I look at it. Because it was the DJ that kept that party rocking. Nobody wanted to come to a party and listen to a guy on the microphone all night. They wanted to hear that DJ. They wanted to hear whatever music he was playing. If he had any type of skills, they wanted to see him display his skills. So if it wasn't for the DJ, there would be no rapper. And that's the cloth that I'm cut from. So I, there's no way I could have made an album and not had scratching on it. And I got three of the dopest DJs out there down with me. So how can I have an album with no scratches on it? <laughs> so, you know, and plus we had a couple of DJs on a couple of the um, songs. There were different DJs like DJ Grasshopper from, uh, from over in London. We had DJ Modesty. He produced the track Aftershock and scratched on it from over in Paris. You know, there, there's a lot of different DJs. DJ Slice, he's from Philly, but he's in uh, Egypt now. So some of the DJs on there, they, they hold some weight, you know, and mm -hmm. I can't, like they say, respect the DJ. That's, that's all I can say. Respect the DJ, man. Cause if it wasn't for the DJ, it'd be no MCs. Uh, for you, I mean, you, you, you know, you go through the, uh, you, there's obviously we mentioned there's a lot of tracks on this album. Um, are, on Day of Destruction, is there a track or maybe a few tracks that kind of best right now in your career kind of best represents where you are as an artist? Uh, that kind of maybe you're most proud of, of that, that you want to be a representation of not just the album, but you as an artist. Yeah, I would definitely say Street Champion, um, Living Proof, and Bless Them. Those are my favorite three. What, what do they say to you? What do they? Uh... Street Champion tells the story. You know, tells the story of of who I am. You know, it's not about the money. You know what I mean? Street champion, self-explanatory. Right. Living proof, another it's, it's self-explanatory because this is what I am, and it's it's, it's uh, it shows the lyrical that I still have thirty-something years later. You know what I mean? Living proof and bless them. Self-explanatory. That's what I'm doing. Every time I spit a verse, I'm blessing somebody. Mm. So with bless them, I'm blessing everybody that's listening. You know what I mean? That's what it is. <laughs> uh, I would, I would, I think I would, I would fail as an as an interviewer if I didn't ask you uh, about the current state of our our nation with the the current uh, president to be uh, Trump. Um, and I'm not going to ask. <laughs> and, and and as disaster says it is, I was wondering. You know, you've you've. You've stuck your, you know, as mentioned, your career is, you know, almost thirty years, right? Um, so you've you've been an artist under many, many presidents. Um, <clears throat> under under a Trump presidency, where do you think hip hop goes, create creatively and content wise? Do you think the mainstream will become more political, or do you think it will stay the same and then it's more underground? "Quote unquote underground artists will become more political." I guess. Where do you think hip hop goes from now? I mean, for these next four years, at least. Oh man, as far as far as that's concerned, I really don't have an answer. I'd definitely be lying if I tried to answer that question. <laughs> I have no idea. That one, I'm going to leave that to Chuck. <laughs> Chuck going to have to take control and spearhead this conversation right here because that's right up his alley, you know. So. I definitely support and follow whatever decision he makes because me, myself, 
I, I can't even answer that question. I have no idea. It's just going to be a rocky ride. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I, <laughs> he's the he's the great Mikey D. I'm I'm honored to have you on the library with Tim Meinickel. The new album is Day of Destruction. Definitely a must get for everyone. Mikey D, thank you so much for joining me on the library with Tim Meinickel on RapStation.com. Oh man, thank you for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Was amongst cousin is still here. Over three decades and they still stare at his real hair. Ain't a millionaire, but I'm close enough. And my crew's over there and they posted up and toasting cups to plenty any and he bought it with a pretty penny. Watching them clock and don't forget the vision 2020. And they still hate. Say I'm Michael Saw, but I'm Bill Gates in every state. They want me in every country. They send hounds to hunt me. Too scared to confront me. Keeping it funky, I'm an icon, a lyrical python. Fuck a battle, let bygones be bygones. You couldn't see me like Cyclops with his eye gone. Fuck a rainbow, I'm somewhere over the horizon. And there will never be an equal. I don't do this for the love, I do it for my people. I'm back to Mikey D, the rhyme heater. Switch MCs and compactor. I do this here for real. I never claim to be an actor. Y'all keep naming me a rapper, but I put these dudes the same. Show you the difference if I have to. I never won a Grammy nominated on the street. The mainstream can't stand me, but that ain't stopping nothing. I'ma keep the ruckus coming. They try to keep quiet, but I keep them fuckers humming. They hated that I made it. Didn't have to move weight. It wasn't gang related. Through trials and tribulations, pacing, heart racing, wasting time embracing the stream that I've been chasing. Will I die a millionaire or will I die a million deaths? Cause I climbed a million stairs and I took a million steps. Now I'm here. Rappers got something to fear. Y'all read me? This is my season to shine. So with that being said, it gives me all the more reason to grind. All the snakes and ex-grimies don't know where to find me. Don't remind me all the fakes I had to leave them behind. From New York to Russia, I'll be killing them. I got the whole game covered, so there ain't no filling in. I don't burn weed, I burn adrenaline. And I ain't gonna stop until I earn a million. million. And have my own hour like Gilligan. And keep the mic loaded till it's time to kill again. I'm on a competition, no remorse when I floss. And a lot of non-believers want me nailed to the cross. But I'm off to the race to see faces you'll never see. Cop kicks and shoelaces from places you'll never be. Forever me, so cleverly I excel. Never too late, and you hate, I can tell. The worst nightmare, you want to wake up quick. And I'm the realest dude alive, ain't got to make up shit. They should call me crowd control the way I break up clicks. They'd rather see your boy in jail or watch me break up bricks. And I don't do the young boy flow. Strictly real hip-hop, this is all I know. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.